Hello, and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast in partnership with Ascension. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. My name is Sister Miriam James, and every week I am joined by two of my dearest friends ever, Heather Kim and Michelle Benzinger. What you're going to find is we're three normal women who are on the journey, who laugh, we cry, we have all kinds of adventures, and our heart is to share our love of Christ with you, our friendship, and all the beautiful and broken places that we encounter. So you are most welcome to join us on this journey. Grab a cup of coffee, get settled in, and welcome home. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Abiding Together, and we are together again. Actually, Michelle and I are physically together, and we're looking at Heather, and we're going to have an amazing interview with one of our dearest friends, who you're going to find out who that is in a second. But Michelle, as you're sitting next to me, I'm going to probably punch you during the interview. (laughs) How are you doing? You're out of the house. I'm impressed because your kids are sick. I am. I am actually in Tallahassee where sister is right now, and my kids have had the flu all week long. So when this opportunity arose for me just to drive over, it's only two and a half hours away, I was like, bye, Felicia. I'm out of the house. (laughs) I needed, um, it's been great to be hunkered down with the kids, but I needed some fresh air and a new scenery for a little while. So I'm good. Heather, how are you? Feeling a little lonely over here by myself, but so glad that you guys are together. Yeah, that's sweet to see your faces right next to each other. So yeah. Yeah, super happy. My kids are back at school because the snow has thawed. So they had like an entire week off of school, um, which was super fun in many ways. And also every parent knows what that's like. I mean, there's just a lot. (laughs) They're like, how many games, how many puzzles, how many things can you do before everybody goes stir crazy? So yeah. So anyway, it's good. We're all happy up here. It's nice to be here in Tallahassee and it's like a second home to me and I'm here to help out with the retreat and the retreat that we are doing is directly uh, related to the person, the guest that we have on our show. So, um, yeah, like how do you even introduce somebody like this? This is one of my, uh, the the dearest people in my life and somebody who's mentored me for many years and, um, who's written four books in five years and who has just a prolific ministry, uh, working with healing and marriages and things like that. And I just want to officially, uh, I'm sure I've talked about him before many times over the years on our podcast, but I just want to officially welcome for the very first time, um, Dr. Bob Schutz to our podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Sister Miriam. It's, <laughs> it's, I have known uh, each of these women for, for, a for a while, and it's such a gift to not only hear you do this, to be a part of this, and mm-hmm. to share it. And I know you're touching a lot of lives. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's one we just absolutely love having you here. Yeah. It means a lot to us to have you here and have this conversation. So mm-hmm. we are so excited for our listeners to get to know you also yeah. and um, your hearts and your words. And I think this man has more wisdom in his pinky than probably I do in my whole body. But <laughs> I know, you know easily the, the holiest person I know exactly. for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the kindest men I know yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. So we're excited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. We're trying to contain ourselves. Dr. Bob, you don't know that we've talked about having you on here for so, well, basically since we started the podcast, we were always like, we need to have Dr. Bob on because he's just, he has so much wisdom to share and, and specifically like a really powerful anointing on your ministry and upon you, which, you know, we all know that's not something you can learn. It's not something that, you know, it's like you're good enough to get or whatever. God just gives it. And he definitely has an anointing on you and your ministry. And so it is such a joy 
to be with you. So we're going to, um, we hope to have Bob on the show a couple times, but today, you know, we've just been speaking about a lot of, you know, just what are the topics people want to hear about? And, uh, Bob is in the midst of writing another book, uh, right now on marriage. And I was just reading an advanced copy of it and it, it is outstanding. So we thought today, what we're going to talk about is going to talk about the sacrament of marriage and just the components of what makes a healthy marriage and what happens when you're married to somebody that you don't share the same faith or just, you know, Dr. Bob has so many years of wisdom. You've been a marriage and family therapist for 40 years and have walked with so many couples and, um, just your own journey of marriage, which you share so incredibly beautiful and vulnerable in your book and just um, also losing your wife last year as she went home to God last year. And just so you've come full circle in many years, but maybe you could just tell our listeners a bit about yourself and what attracted you to marriage and family therapy in the first place. Yeah. I, I like to think that uh, God called me to be a marriage and family therapist out of my brokenness as uh, I was a child of divorce uh, like you, Michelle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you until you go through that, you don't realize the incredible pain mm-hmm. and the way that it impacts your life and your ability to trust and your ability to love and your ability to trust love. Uh, just you know, was a very shaping experience and really shaped my career as a marriage and family therapist. Without me knowing it, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like you, you, it just uh, you become passionate about uh, the places that you suffer a lot, and and so having suffered in that way. Uh, both as a profession. I remember taking a course in high school, and it was a Catholic high school, and it was a priest, uh, and I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life, but it was a priest teaching a course on marriage and the Catholic religion. And we read a lot of the people that back, I don't remember all their names right now, but I remember as I was in that class, my heart came alive, and I said, this mm. is what I want to do. Mm. It took me a long time to find mm. that again, you know, because yeah. I went to graduate school. I went to college and studied psychology and that wasn't it because it was, you know, social psychology and and experimental psychology. And I got discouraged. And then I went to graduate school and I went to graduate school on marriage and family therapy. And uh, I said, this is it. This is, I didn't know whether I wanted to teach or to counsel. And I think the reason for that is because I was called to do both, but it took me a while to settle into it, but it it was just a passion, just Mm -hmm. And uh, in my own marriage and family life also, you know, just uh, one of the things as I look back and Margie and I were married 42 years, uh, we were married in Holy Family Church and we were uh, on the eve of their 25th anniversary. And I just look back and, and hear what God was saying and all that. We had a lot of struggles over the years, but he, it was just a grace to sustain us. And now I look at our kids and our grandkids and mm-hmm. it's just, you see the beauty of all the struggle, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, uh, it's like worth all the struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you talk about, you know, you, from like the heart of, of where you've come from and, and divorce and things like that. And one thing that I really appreciated about the, the new book that's coming out and it won't come out for another year. So listeners are going to have to wait a while, <laughs> but it's going to be worth the wait and we will totally promote it when it comes out. But I thought maybe we could just have a discussion, especially with Heather and Michelle, um, both entering into the sacrament of marriage, about you talk about the five components of a healthy marriage, like the five different areas of intimacy that are key uh-huh. to a healthy marriage. So do you want to kind of just um, maybe talk about just the overview of the five, and then maybe we could just talk a bit about those and kind of how those are lived out in our listeners as well, kind of what we've heard in feedback from our listeners. Yeah, yeah. good. There, there's, there's five, and then there's a sixth, which I'll, I'll touch in in terms mm-hmm. of the, the second part of the book. Sure, sure. Um, so all of us, I think when we get married, we have this strong desire for intimacy and communion. I mean, I think that desire for communion is within every one of our hearts. Mm-hmm. 
and it's a struggle, you know, with, with our woundedness, with our self-centeredness, with our sin, with all the things that take our time. It's really a struggle to be able to maintain that level of communion in marriage. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I discovered over the years as I counseled and then we did the conferences is it's, you know, we, we talk about all these issues in marriage, but there's really just five key components, I think, that that establish uh, a really healthy intimacy and communion in marriage. And so it's spiritual Unity is the foundation. Spiritual, okay. Uh, emotional intimacy, daily companionship or cooperative, yeah, daily companionship, which is working together, playing together, mm-hmm. just hanging out together. Uh, it's really the overlooked one, mm-hmm. uh, but it's really I realized how important after Margie died, how how central it was because it was it was kind of like the, the the fabric of your life that held everything together, and then. Uh, cooperative teamwork mm-hmm. and that's all the issues that we deal with in marriage you know whether it's parenting or finances or yeah. uh, how to resolve decisions about and I talk in the book about buying a house yeah and, that was uh, so good and just the struggle that. of of mutual submission mm. and, and coming into enthusiastic agreements so we'll talk maybe more about that and then the fifth one is uh, sexual fulfillment and that so oftentimes and I think you women have a much more intuitive sense of this than many of us who are males. Uh, <laughs> but the sexual intimacy is the fulfillment of the other four mm-hmm. kinds of intimacy. And if the other four kinds of intimacy aren't there, the sexual inti- the sexual fulfillment isn't fulfilling to mm-hmm. at least one party and, and probably both at a deep mm-hmm. down level. And so to really be able to give ourselves physically, emotionally, spiritually... There has to be that spiritual connection, that emotional mm-hmm. connection, and that daily connection of, you know, companionship, of, of of being there for each other and being there with each other and feeling like you're not strangers. You know, it's the hardest thing in the world is to go into the bedroom and and feel like you're you're making love with a stranger, you mm-hmm. know, because you haven't been connected. Mm-hmm. And uh and then also the, the the cooperative teamwork. If we're if we're in a battle of wills, mm-hmm. it's really hard to open our hearts and trust each other. And allow that trust uh, to be, you know, the gift of yourself, uh, which is what a healthy sexual relationship is. And so those are the five areas of, of becoming one. Uh, and in our Unveiled Marriage Conferences, that's a separate conference. Mm-hmm. And then we also have one called Reconciliation and Healing. And I would really say that's the sixth area that that repairs the other five all the time. You know, mm-hmm. th- those other five are constantly in need of repair oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. because we wound each other all the time and we come in wounded. You know, we come into our relationship wounded, some of us more than others, mm-hmm. uh, but all of us, you know, wounded by sin, wounded by our experiences in life. And it's that reconciliation and healing, knowing how to really deal with issues that are previous to our relationship, uh, the the issues that we experienced in childhood, but also our previous relationships, our previous dating relationships, mm-hmm. our previous friendships, and all the ways in which uh, it didn't fulfill the things that we desired and the ways we got hurt, ways we felt betrayed or trust was broken. And then the whole history of our relationship together. I mean, it's, it's constantly, if, if, if we don't learn the humility of forgiving mm-hmm. and apologizing and dealing with the pain and dealing with the the ways in which our identity gets formed by that pain, which mm. brings us into the healing part. Mm-hmm. So 
I think those six areas, uh, you know, the five areas of becoming one and the six areas of continuing to maintain that intimacy. Mm-hmm. I love that. I mean, I absolutely love that. You broke it down. And for me, it's really funny. I'm just sitting here thinking when my, as I was engaged in getting married, my parents were going through a divorce. And actually, Chris and I met with Dr. Bob yeah. and went to counseling oh my with gosh, him that's great. as we were engaged. And going, I just remember mm-hmm. that sitting in your office here in Tallahassee. Yeah. And just being heartbroken. And for me, not knowing what healthy relationships or healthy marriage look like. And I just had this huge fear, mm-hmm. you know, and I just people like Dr. Bob and, um, you know, my spiritual director, then Father Michael Scanlon really spoke into that and fathered me through that because I wasn't. But I was terrified of marriage. Mm-hmm. Like I really was because I did not see even though I went, I saw a couple of good ones at Steubenville. But it, a lot of people I saw that were married were not happy. Mm-hmm. And that really concerned me. And I had a huge fear. And I remember sitting down with our good friend, Paul George, and he and I grew up together. Mm-hmm. And he told me this and he, I said, Paul, what if I can't do this? Mm-hmm. I mean, completely falling apart. Like, what if mm-hmm. I am not going to be a good wife to Chris? Like, what if I can't do this? And I will never forget him telling me, he said, Michelle, the sacrament is like a toolbox. Mm-hmm. And you pick up the tools along the way. Mm-hmm. You enter in in the grace. So we have these five components but none of us come with these five components. I mean, it is a journey. Oh my gosh. I always say the two becoming one is like the biggest mystery. You know, yeah. if anyone looks yeah. at the first couple of years of our marriage, Chris and I, I mean, we went head to head on a lot of things. And um, now my marriage is probably one of my biggest blessings and gifts, but we've worked our butts off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just does not come easy. And I have to say the majority of it was me working my butt off. <laughs> I love how you say, Michelle, in every relationship, there's a saint and a saint maker. (laughs) You're like, like, Chris is the saint. I'm the saint maker. And I really just didn't know, like, especially like the spiritual unity was actually easy for us, which is not a lot of the case, but the emotional intimacy, I had to go back and learn a lot of just emotional stuff, like counsel stuff. I had to learn how to fight fair. I had to learn how to take, still learning how to take responsibility for my part. I was the king of blaming, you know, or the queen of blaming. So it was just hard, Mm -hmm. you know, as you know, but um, seeing marriage as a journey and a toolbox and that we continue to pick up these tools Mm -hmm. and we get transformed glory to glory and leaning in. That's, I think, the biggest thing. I mean, Heather, what would you think? Yeah, I think, you know, just thinking about my own marriage and we were 23 when we got married. And so you go into it thinking, yeah, I know it's going to be hard. You say that to yourself. You're like, I know it's going to be hard, but it's going to be so good. And you're focused on how much you love this person and you want to share life together. There's all these exciting things. And at that time in life, there's so many exciting things. And you you don't realize how much is coming, You know how much work it's going to take, how many heartaches are going to come along the way. And I think that's the beauty of vows, really. Like You can't possibly know the extent of what you're getting into before. And there's something about the grace of the sacrament that I've learned to heavily rely upon, that this isn't just a you know, a contract between two people. This is a sacrament and there is grace at work if we allow ourselves to cooperate with that grace. And gosh, we've had to cooperate with it, you know, a lot over the years. And thanks be to God, like God has been very present to us in helping us along the way. And, you know, part of our story, uh, I've mentioned a little bit in the podcast before is that, you know, two years into our marriage, it, it kind of was uncovered. Jake confessed that he had this 
addiction to pornography, which I wasn't aware had entered into our marriage. I knew it was a part of his growing up in childhood and uh, a result of trauma in his life. Um, but I thought he was kind of working through that and it wasn't really in our marriage. So when that came out, it was the rude awakening of, I thought we were sharing everything. I thought, I thought it was something different than what it was. And I, I will say, I've, over time, I've come to realize that that day he confessed that was the worst day, but it was also the best day because it got real. It finally was really real. It was two broken people uh, coming together and and really trying to love each other and work through it. And that's that's when you know my eyes were open to wow, we both have a lot in our story that we need to begin working through and getting healed from, you know, allowing God to come into those places. And thanks be to God, the journey that we had ahead of us has brought about so much restoration and healing. You know, Jake has been totally healed of that addiction and has been, I mean, amazing in that area. Trust has been restored. I never thought those things could happen, um, but it didn't come quickly and it didn't come easily. It came with a lot of work. And for, for my part, I had to stay open. And that was the hardest thing for me. I wanted to close down and let my heart grow cold. And I didn't want to receive, you know, which for women, like we are receptive. That's how we're made. Uh, so I was like going against my own heart, like battling against my own, the way I was designed because of my hurt. And I think often that's what happens. We close up when we've been hurt. And so I would love to just hear Dr. Bob, like in your, you have so much experience, but in the repair and healing and restoration part, you know, I think for most people, they might listen to a podcast like this and pain just starts to come up just as the topic is even said, you know, it's like, well, I'm so unsatisfied. I have so much pain and can it ever be different? You know, how do we begin to see difference in our, in our pain? Could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, it's a, it's it's hard to, to speak to it in a few words, but I think mm -hmm. the, the places that you I'll speak off of that is, uh, you know, the name for woman in Hebrew is negaba, which is to be open, to be receptive. Mm -hmm. It's the nature of femininity. Mm -hmm. The name for man is a strange word, is uh, zakar, which means uh, to remember, to be mm -hmm. faithful. And when there's a brokenness in that place, uh, when there's a brokenness in the faithfulness that you described, there's a natural tendency to close. And, mm -hmm. and it happens both ways. But, but the, the woman is the keeper of the communion. The man is the keeper of the covenant. Mm -hmm. uh, they both have to keep both. But when, when there's any unfaithfulness in that way, communion becomes very difficult and you described it very well it's you really become honest and and it's it's that honesty it's in the honesty it's in the truth uh in the humility the truth and the humility and love and the grace of the sacrament and it's really hard work and in the middle of it uh, and I, i've been there too and not different issues but with margie and i uh you know in the middle of it you don't see the love mm. what you see is you don't even see your own failings as much as you see the failings of your partner mm -hmm. because I'm not getting loved the way I need to be loved. Mm -hmm. And as you described, if we're honest with ourselves, we begin to realize that both of us are hurting each other, mm -hmm. that neither one of us has this all together, that this just brought out the areas that need to get addressed between us and not just between us, but between with us and God, because it really starts there. If we don't have relationship there, that's why the spiritual unity is so important. In the second, if we don't have relationship there, we can't know what true love is, mm -hmm. and we can't be honest 
uh, because God's truth and God is love. You know, and so to the extent to which we know God, not in just a religious sense of our practices, but when the, the more we know God in our hearts, the more we know love and the more we know truth and the more we recognize our need to humble ourselves, which is what it takes to, to be married. It takes for any relationship, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some of the things you're touching on there just, you know, is making me think about how often in the world today there's so much focus on, oh, this person is so great. We have so much fun together, you know, um, but what what about when that stops? You know, if that's all that, that it's about. And I think one of the main things that I've realized in my marriage uh, very early on from those stages is that those beginning stages of pain is that, you know, it's our in a marriage where we're meant to mirror the love of God that on earth, that is the best, you know, image that we have of the love of God, which is reciprocating it's self donating its gift. Um, but our role is to help each other become like the, not just like the cheesy best version of ourself, but really to become a greater image of the love of God. And how can we do that? And how can we allow ourselves to be transformed? So it's not just my job to go, okay, Jake, if you could get your crap together, that'd be great. If you could just mirror God's love better to me, that would be great because that's self-focused, right? Um, but how do we really allow one another to become like the most loving and the most receptive of the love of God as we can. And, and I've found over the years, like it really takes a lot of steadiness for me and my own heart. Like I I'm like, you know, when they talk about fight or flight, I'm like flight, like inside, that's what I want to do always. I'm always battling the, I just want to get out of here. I just want to, I just got to go drive and maybe just keep driving. Like, I don't know. I might not come back. Um, so to just stay, to stay steady, even in pain and just stay open to receiving, you know, and, and being faithful in that. Yeah. And and the way that you can do that, if the other person becomes my anchor, mm. becomes my security, and then all of a sudden they're not secure, then the, the only thing you can do is run. But if there's an anchor that's deeper than that anchor, which is our relationship with God in the sacrament, then then we can stay there and get grounded there so that we can work through mm -hmm. here in the direction with our spouse. I remember when I was going through um, our marriage prep and we were getting married and we had marriage prep with Father Michael and I just complete, it was our, my one-on-one -on -one with him and I completely fell apart in it. And so my biggest thing was like, what if he leaves like mm -hmm. my dad? Like mm -hmm. he could tell me he loved mm -hmm. me and I'd be fine. If he told me he never leave me, that was so much more important to me. Mm -hmm. And Father Michael, I remember him holding my face, like having his hands on my face. And he said, but you are entering into a covenant and there's three. And even if the worst happens, Michelle, and he leaves, the father will still be there. Mm. And just having his mm. words speak that over me, something mm. in me broke, mm. you know. But I realized in the first couple of years of my marriage, I put an expectation on Chris to make up for everything my father had done. Mm. You know, like you're, you're basically talk about the sins of the father. You need to make that up mm. to me. Mm. And I didn't realize I was doing it until a couple of years in the marriage. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then when I took that expectation off of him. And really, I had to repent for that. Mm -hmm. um, he was free to love me freely, mm -hmm. you know, and our relationship completely transformed and changed. But it was my realization that I was doing it. I didn't realize consciously I was, but I was. And then it changed. How how does a couple, you think, even begin with spiritual unity? Yeah, like, think, where do you start? Especially where do you even start? Like, if they're not equally, like, yeah. maybe they don't, they don't share the same faith tradition, or maybe one's not even interested. Like, where, where do you even start? Yeah. yeah. Well, this may sound like a strange answer, but I, I went over to the community uh, 
the integrated community in Germany. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to teach the Catholic faith to a culture that doesn't know the faith whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And so he said they started talking about trust, honesty, truth, virtue. They just started talking about what what it takes to make a good relationship. Mm-hmm. And he said it took them about a year before they can introduce Jesus in the church to them. Mm-hmm. And these are in religion classes. And I think no matter what somebody's faith background is, those things are universal. Mm-hmm. You know? Can you say those again? Trust, mm-hmm. honesty, truth, love, virtue. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, those are those are the evidence of God. Mm-hmm. And I think so often, like, you know, like in Northern Ireland, the Protestant Catholic battles and, you know, just the battles that we have in our own marriages about what I believe and what you believe or, you know, the battles in the church. Uh, there's so much pride and ego mm. in that yeah. that I'm really holding on to something. Uh, and I did this in my own marriage with Margie. I'm really holding on to something out of my own insecurity. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to change you to be what I want you to be, rather than, as you were talking, Heather, about the self-giving, self-donating. I mean, mm. that's, that's our most natural tendency is to try to get the other person to be what we need so that we can be loved well, mm. as you were talking about mm-hmm. with Chris, mm. rather than when you let go of that and you just honestly love somebody, God becomes present in that. Mm-hmm. And it's not about do we right now agree? I mean, it's a painful thing. Margie and I were in different places for a lot of our marriage. We grew up, both grew up Catholic. We both had uh, a shared understanding of our faith, but we were very different places. But when I look at our relationship, even though she didn't practice the faith in the way that I did, in her heart, she practiced it maybe better than I did mm-hmm. a lot of the time, you know, just by the person that she was mm-hmm. uh, and and the way that she related to people and her humility and those kind of things. And so I think that's the key thing is we start arguing over religion and trying to coerce somebody else to believe like us. I think we push them away. Mm-hmm. But when we live what we believe and do it in the integrity of just those simple things. Mm-hmm. I think then we draw the other person to us and we then merge together. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, we come to see things differently mm-hmm. and, our, and our faith becomes an authentic witness, mm-hmm. you know, because otherwise, you know, why would somebody want to, uh, I remember early on me trying to get Margie to come to mass with me and, you know, what she felt was, I want to change you to be what I want you to be. Mm-hmm. And so why do I want to go worship with you when I feel demeaned by you in the process? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. That's so true, though. I think it's true. And I one of the things I loved, uh, the, the lines you had in your book, is that marriage is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Yeah. Oh. And I was thinking of just, you know, obviously somebody who is uh, married to Jesus, right, and might yeah. take a vow of chastity, which is a little on celibacy. So if you're listening to this and you're saying to yourself, well, I'm not married, this doesn't apply to me, let me just tell you, that book convicted me deeply on just the five components of what does it take to have a healthy relationship with somebody? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you love well? Mm-hmm. And obviously, if you're not married, you're not engaging in the sexual intimacy, but the people that have, God has brought into my life, like, how am I building spiritual unity with them? Like, how am I just enjoying their company day to day and mm-hmm. and really being truthful and honest? And to me, it just makes you the whole wholeness of the person you're called to be because mm. I think when you're a good friend to somebody then love naturally yeah. is the outcome of that mm-hmm. but if I if I'm waiting till I get married or if I'm waiting until some I, I just I think it's the day-to-day living of being authentically human that transforms relationships mm-hmm. and so for me it was just recognizing the deep beauty of marriage of the sacrament of marriage and I, I love it so deeply but it was so convicting to me as a, a celibate woman of like how am I living life well how am I loving well 
So for me, it was really, yeah, convicting of how am I loving you guys well? Like you guys are in my life every day. Like, how do I love you well? You know? And I love the concept of the marathon because we always want to arrive quickly. That's the culture that we live in. It's like, can I microwave it faster? Like, is there a, just a three step and then I'm there? You know, we always want the quick route. Uh, but it's not that way, you know, with marriage. And, and I found that through the journey that is slow and sometimes painful, but there's a lot of joy in there too. A lot of, oh yeah, there's a lot of pain, but a lot of joy too. Um, but that's where intimacy happens, you know, is like in the day to day, just staying steady in there, hanging in there when you want to bolt or you want to shut down, just hanging in there. And, you know, we went through, we've been through another, another deep layer of restoration in our marriage. We're in the midst of it right now. You know, uh, it's never ending it seems, but as we go deeper into our own stories, deeper into the pain, allowing God to restore things. I found, I don't know all the answers at all. I don't know what to do. You know, here I am, we've been married 18 years, almost 19 years. And I'm like, I still am at a place where I'm like, I don't know what to do. God, I need you. Jesus, you're the way. These are the things I pray. I'm like, Jesus, you're the way. So I need you to just make a way. And I don't know what to do in the grand, in the big picture. So I'm just going to do the next right thing that I can see right in front of me. So today, right now, this hour, I'm going to be open this hour, you know, the right now I'm going to hold his hand. I'm going to listen. I'm going to, I'm going to not react. I'm going to not be critical. You know, like I'm, I'm not going to cut him down or make a snide remark or, you know, it's like sometimes it's just got to be the thing right in front of you. Just do the next right thing and depend on the grace of God. Um, one of the things I love, one of these components that I would love to just hear your thoughts on is the daily companionship, the playing and the, you know, doing that. That's something that Jake and I are learning again, even after 19 years of marriage, what drew us together was our deep love for God and our passion for like evangelization and what a great foundation to build on. Um, but we're so different. I mean, we couldn't be more opposite. I'm Canadian, you know, Scottish parents. Jake's from Alabama. <laughs> Our wedding was hilarious when those two worlds crashed together. Um, cowboys and kilts was what, what the theme was. <laughs> yeah, so I would just love to hear your thoughts on how do two people who do have some things in common, but maybe have a lot of differences, grow in the daily companionship and learn how to play and, and do life together that way. I, I think, well, Everybody that knew us, Margie and I, were the kind of the champion of being different from one another. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we were very different in, in so many ways, a lot of common, but uh, we really struggled at times. You know, she was when we met, she was a cheerleader and I was an athlete. Mm -hmm. And so we loved sports. We went to the same church. So we thought we had all these things in common. But when it came down to playing sports together, that wasn't what she wanted to do. She wanted to cheer for them, <laughs> which was a great complementarity, but not a great companionship. And you know, just I, I can go. I go in the book. I give lots of examples of of the the ways in which we grew apart because we didn't have and share the same interest. Uh, but I I realized that companionship is much deeper than whether we go out and play an activity together or whether we both like to cook or watch the same TV show. Just a dedication to being together. And when Margie got sick, she she ended up dying after showing her first symptoms four months earlier. And we were together for, in the last couple of months, almost every moment of every day mm -hmm. together. And we didn't do anything. We didn't, it was just being together. Mm. And it was, it was so 
so different than how I understood companionship before that. You know, mm -hmm. it's like we've got to find something that's fun or we've got to find something that we like rather than, no, we're just being together. And so when, when we'd go on vacations together, we'd have all this intimacy. We'd come back and live our lives mm -hmm. and you'd lose this intimacy just by being together 24-7. Mm -hmm. After she died, and this is this is where it really struck me about the, 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 the value of just being together. Um, I went to... I went on a trip for the first time. In fact, I was doing a marriage conference and yeah. it was one month after she had died. It was my first time on the road. And uh, I got on the, got my cell phone out when I arrived at the destination to call her mm. and all of a sudden realized she wasn't on the other end. And it was like, I had no idea how these little things that I took for granted the whole time mm -hmm were the things that kept the companionship alive, mm -hmm. you know, just the, the being together. And then I got back in town to the empty house and just realized just the lack of her presence Yeah, was just like, wow, I, I didn't realize how much just being present to each other. And so I think it's important that we cultivate common interests, but I think more than that is just a dedication to being together. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, having that balance between separation and togetherness mm -hmm. and because we, we need both. We need our own separate life and we need ways of sharing life together. And sometimes the reason why we drift apart is because of all the pain that we talked about. And, you know, it's just like too painful to be here and have to deal with it. You know, mm -hmm. so it's easier just to mm -hmm. get my life mm -hmm. on, the, on its own. Something we're focusing on right now, just on a practical level in our relationship is, uh, like I've said to Jake, will you just do things with me that you might not like? but I like them just to be with me, you know, and I'll do that with you. Like, I don't love sports, but I'll watch a game with you because it's not about the game. It's about us just sharing something together. You know, uh, we go out sometimes and Jake will order a beer. He doesn't drink, but he will just cause he knows I like to, <laughs> you know? So I mean, in moderation friends, but you know, like it's about the sharing, it's about the sharing, right? It's about just doing something that the other person enjoys to see their heart come alive. Yeah. I, I, I finally learned that lesson well into the marriage and just sitting on the couch next to her while she's watching HGTV <laughs> and rubbing yes. her feet is all she yeah. needed to feel. Mm -hmm. That sounds like the most romantic thing. <laughs> <laughs> Will you watch Fixer Upper with me? If my feet? <laughs> That'll get you a lot further in the uh, sexual fulfillment area. <laughs> Seriously, foreplay happens outside of the bedroom. I always yeah. say that, yeah. It's those little things. And I think when, it, when I was single and then before I got married, at the beginning of marriage, I just wanted grand gestures, like because yeah. that's my personality. I wanted these big grand gestures, and then when I realized once I got a marriage, uh, uh, it's not the grand gestures that make it; it is the little everyday moments that make the miraculous and make it mysterious, but make it wonderful. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's the little things that add up so quickly, and that you realize, okay, they're a big deal. You mm -hmm. know, and just doing life together and everyday life, and I realized that. Um, I was going to have to be a student of my spouse, mm. you know, and it's like a school of love. And I often say this and we never, ever graduate ever. Mm. Like I'm constantly in kindergarten or pre-K, mm -hmm. but it, I had to be a student of my spouse and still learning. Like yeah. I still like, oh my gosh, I need to learn this about him or love him this way. That's, and it's, it's beautiful. Hard. Yeah, yeah. But it's beautiful. But it's just beautiful. a desire to do that. Yeah. Mm. You know, so mm -hmm. no, really good. And so for how would you even begin like, 
if there is reconciliation and healing, how do you even start? Like, mm-hmm. what is the first step that you even do for that? Like it, if you have these five components and you see, okay, do you look at one of them and say, right, this is one that is really lacking or how does that even begin? Well, in the book, we, we, I start with uh, a state of the union address <laughs> and just look at all five of the areas okay. and just say, where are we here? And I'm just really simple questions. You know, where are we with spiritual unity? What do I desire that's not here? Uh, what What's missing? Uh, where am I with emotional? You know, where are we? And then just to sit down with each other and just be honest and not hurtful, not blaming, but here is how I experience these areas of communion in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying this to you because I want to beat you up or I want to punish you. I'm saying this to you because I want to build intimacy together. I want to build communion together. And, you know, sometimes that's even frightening mm-hmm. uh, to, to even talk, think talk about, about that. that. Yeah. Yeah, think yeah. about that. Uh, but, but it starts with honesty. It, mm-hmm. it just starts with, with being real and being honest. And sometimes that's really difficult in a, mar- in a marriage when you've been hurt uh, because it requires some level of trust. And mm-hmm. particularly when we have a tendency to, to blame each other mm-hmm. and get into, you know, uh, Dr. John Gottman talks about the, the four mm-hmm. uh, horsemen of the apocalypse, you know, the four ways in which we continue mm-hmm. to hurt each other. And so I think it's a commitment that we're not going to hurt each other when we talk. Mm-hmm. We're going we're gonna to try to heal. So it's an attitude and it's a commitment and it's a strength of the covenant to be able to say, okay, let's be honest about where we are where the hurt is and let me take responsibility for my stuff as much as I can, which is always the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in, in the, in the uh, book, I talk about uh, what forgiveness really looks like. And we sister, when we go in our healing conferences, leads everybody mm-hmm. through a forgiveness exercise and forgiveness. Isn't just, you hurt me. I forgive you. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is you hurt me. This is the damage that's been done. Mm-hmm. This is what I've experienced from it uh this is how i've hurt you and this is where i'm responsible for my behavior you're not mm-hmm. uh this is the damage that's done to your heart this is this is my desire to remedy things because i'm not just going to apologize and expect you to forgive me but i'm going to be dedicated to dealing with this issue that i keep hurting you on mm-hmm. uh and getting some kind of uh resolution in my life that I'm going to address the underlying attitudes that are there and the behavior that's there so that when I ask for forgiveness, I'm not just flippant about it. I'm saying Mm -hmm. this is an area I want to improve in. This is an area that I'm dedicated to changing Mm -hmm. in our relationship. And then trust can be rebuilt. Mm -hmm. Uh, Without that, you can't build trust. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we just keep saying the words and they don't mean anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Good. And we'll have we'll have you again on the podcast, uh, Bob, about healing, about like an episode on healing and kind of mm-hmm. like the wounds, like the seven wounds that you talk about, and mm-hmm. which I think will be really helpful for people in general. And mm-hmm. I mean, your book, Be Healed, is the number one book that I recommend across the country to people when they ask, mm-hmm. like, what's the book I can read? I'm like, it's Be Healed, because you'll be healed and be transformed about mm-hmm. the sacraments in the church, which is outstanding. You have a book called Real Suffering, right, mm-hmm. about the, the, what suffering really is and, and how, how suffering is transformed and, and how it's healed and, and how you navigate through it and then this next book which will be out a year from now is called be devoted mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so i think that's something that um yeah definitely don't we all need that oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah and i think one of the things i love most dr bob about your ministry is that um 
you're willing to go there and provide experiences for people to experience the deep restoration and healing of God because he can heal, because he is our healer. And I think we so often forget that when we're in the midst of any kind of storm or our marriages are falling apart and when it's blowing up and we don't know what to do, um, that we need to have this anchoring hope that God he really can heal and restore. It may not make sense to us. We might not be able to figure out how that could ever happen. It might feel like the furthest thing from what could be true. Um, but that's what your ministry speaks of, is that anything is possible. God can do anything. Well, and, and you're speaking from the inside because in, when we were in Seattle and you were there leading worship and mm -hmm. Sister Miriam was there speaking and we saw we saw God do some amazing things mm -hmm. in that. Mm -hmm. It's just beautiful to watch as it's same thing as you were talking about in marriage. Just give them permission, just invite them in because nobody can heal anybody, nobody can change anybody's mm -hmm. life. But just inviting him in and giving opportunity, uh, it's the same in marriage and the same in mm -hmm. every other aspect of our life. Mm -hmm. It is, and I think it's very interesting. And we have to get we've been talking a lot about like in our restore the beauty series about restoring the beauty of the church mm -hmm. and we've been talking about the priest and the church and that's a visual of you know the church and the bride mm -hmm. you know the bride and the bridegroom but mm -hmm. it reflects marriage mm -hmm. so god is not only just restoring the priesthood right now i feel like he's restoring marriages right mm -hmm. now oh my family. gosh amen like yeah. it has to be both ands and as us as laity really get serious about our holiness but like we said not just holiness like, I love that it's be all mm -hmm. this book start with be. It's not doing more. Mm -hmm. It's being who we are created to be mm -hmm. and becoming whole. Mm -hmm. And in that wholeness, that is where the beauty is restored, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and then that is coming together. It is mm -hmm. all going back to the garden, mm -hmm. you know, and Adam and Eve and that beautiful vision of, you know, union with the Lord. And that's what he's calling all of us to. He's calling us the church to. He's calling sister mm -hmm. to. It doesn't matter what your vocation is. If you're single, married, religious, priest, whatever, we're all called to restore the beauty and how we are created and mm -hmm. called into wholeness and mm -hmm. holiness. And I feel like the Lord is extending a huge invitation to all of us mm -hmm. saying, oh gosh, you know, yeah. like the banquet table is here, please come, <laughs> you know, yeah. come mm -hmm. and um, partake of this wholeness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. Well, oh my gosh, we could go on. <laughs> I, know, I feel like we should do like part five part series on this, um, mm. but we can't dear listeners. So we're going to have to kind of just switch gears for a bit. Um, we're going to put all the links to Bob's books on the, on the show notes. So you'll, you'll be able to look at, check those out and look at those and um, also look forward to his book in the coming year called be devoted. So um, Dr. Bob, at the end of every episode, we have something called our one thing where uh, sometimes it's a two or three things, but uh, it's the one thing that's really speaking to our hearts um, today. So we won't put you on the spot, make you go first. We'll no, let you go great. last. So um, <laughs> I know for my one thing, I love music and I've recently come across, a, I love Spotify too. So I recently come across a Spotify playlist called Peaceful Classical, which Aww. has some of the best classical music that I've just ever heard. And so I often put it on the background when I'm reading or just when kind of in my room. And so I'm just going to give that to our listeners. If they just want some really nice, because sometimes classical music, there's so many different genres, it's kind of hard to wade through. But mm. this, whoever put this together is called Peaceful Classical. That is my, it's so lovely. Oh, it's so mm. lovely. It just takes me right into heaven. So mm. that's my one thing. Um, my one thing is, you know, I'm not a TV person at all, but I did just start Call the Midwife. Oh, really? Okay. I've heard about that. Yeah. yeah and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It is an amazing show. And mm -hmm. I just love that whole vision of midwifing anyway and birthing things. It's mm -hmm. so my personality, but it's beautiful. It's on Netflix. So mm -hmm. yeah, go check that out. Call mm -hmm. the Midwife. Heather, mm -hmm. what about you? Well, Jake 
my husband just knocked it out of the park this last week, uh, just very much in line with what we were talking about, about sharing in things that the other person likes. So he surprised me with tickets to go see Justin Timberlake. Oh, which is not, so he doesn't love going to concerts, you know, but I do. And so just out of the blue, he said, can I take you on a date? And we went to go see Justin Timberlake, which was super fun to share that experience. I'm a big fan of just watching people do what they do, what they love, what they're passionate about. And so to see Justin Timberlake, he's a great performer. Obviously, I don't condone everything he sings about or does, but he is a great performer. And it was just so enjoyable to see a person who was absolutely in their element um, and the joy that 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 brings. So it was a great um, just experience for Jake and I to do that together and definitely bonding. So nice work, Jake. What about you, Dr. Bob? Well, as you're as you're all speaking, I'm thinking of a book that I'm rereading right now. Uh, and it was a movie out this year, but I, I read it as a book several years called The Same Kind of Different as Me. Oh, oh my Have gosh, I ugly cried over that. Yeah, oh my gosh. I, I've only cried mm-hmm. through a couple of books and that yeah. one I've cried to. And as we're talking about this in marriage, uh, there's a there's a line in the book where I don't want to ruin the whole book, but but Dallas, who's been homeless, speaks to Ron, who's been this uh, wealthy art dealer. And he says, I, I hear you white people like to to catch and, and, and throw away after you catch a fish. He says, we always eat them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, if you're asking to be a friend of mine, just to, just to catch and throw away, I'm not interested in friendship. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. But if I'm a keeper, then I'll be your friend. Mm-hmm. And it really oh, speaks okay. to this whole reality of marriage. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, nobody wants to be caught and thrown away. Oh, amen. We all we want to be a keeper. And that's what the core of marriage is, is that key friendship. So in this book, between two people from very different worlds, we talk about how do you join worlds. We get down to the heart. Mm. And in the book, you just see these two two men and, and this man's wife get down to the heart. And that's what I think touches all of us as we mm-hmm. as we read it. Love that. Mm. Never heard of it. I can't wait. Oh, it's great. That's great. Read the book first. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, it's great. Um, Well, Dr. Bob Schutz, thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you for just opening your heart and just for pouring out your love. You touch people worldwide and your life has made an eternal difference in lives of so many. So I just want to say thank you for for loving marriage. Thank you for loving people because you do it so well. And I know our lives, the three of us, our lives are immensely blessed because of you. I love the three of you. Uh, It's like having our dad on. It's it's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, thank you, dear listeners. I know of our prayers for you. We pray for your hearts, for your marriage, for your friendships. And we just ask that the Lord would abide with you very deeply this week. So thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend? You can leave us a rating, leave us a review on iTunes. That helps us get the message out to as many people as possible. If you would like the show notes emailed to you, you can go to ascensionpress.com forward slash abiding together. That's ascensionpress.com forward slash abiding together and enter your email address. Click the subscribe button and the show notes will be on their way to you every week. You can also find the show notes on the Ascension Press website, as well as each episode on the iTunes podcast app. You'll find everything there. You can join our private Facebook group and join our community and just get in on everything that's going on. We love to hear from you. Send us an email. Give us a shout out. We are happy to be on the journey with you. And until next week, we will be abiding together. Thank you so much.